Welcome everyone to Tamriel Adventures, a show that brings you information from all across the far reaches of Tamriel. I am your host, Eric aka Silvior, and today we are going to be talking about, well, I'll introduce him here in a little bit, but uh, yeah, this is going to be a fun one, guys, I promise. So yeah, we are still going to be talking about Daedric Princes. Um, today we are actually going to be talking about kind of two in a sense but um, like i said we'll we'll get to that before we do get to that though we do have a little bit of news so the biggest news as far as elder scrolls goes is that tomorrow um, as i'm recording this it is march 13th sunday march 13th so tomorrow the first DLC for the High Isle story comes out. It's called Ascending Tide. And, uh, yeah, well, uh, tomorrow it comes out on PC, Mac, Steam, and Stadia. Um, which, yeah, basically means PC. Uh, well, con- you know, non-console um, comes out tomorrow. And us console people have to wait until the 29th. So, um xbox one xbox series uh consoles and then ps4 and ps5 so yeah uh if those lucky people who play on pc i guess technically i could but uh yeah you get to enjoy the first uh story in the high isle uh, chapter or story arc uh, so yeah um it's of course going to be a, a dungeon delve one but uh yeah that is uh pretty much the news as far as Elder Scrolls. Um, I will say, though, there is another article here that I'm going to be talking about. So every every week or so, Bethesda does these community spotlight stories. And uh, this week is one from somebody that I've had on the show, uh, Lotus of Doom, as well his uh, family with the Tales of Tamriel podcast they just celebrated their 300th episode so there is an interview with the members of the tales of tamriel podcast uh, including lotus of doom so go check that out on the elder scrolls online website there um yeah the community spotlight thing that they do is pretty cool they've had uh, some of my podcast friends on there a few times they've had jessica Starr. they've had fenwa terry in and uh, some other people that and, and uh, right now they're having Lotus of Doom on you know, and uh, the rest of his crew so yeah go check out that interview uh, they get interviewed about their podcast and uh, some other things so yeah definitely go check that out also highlighted on the Bethesda website is this month's featured mods for Skyrim Special Edition and Fallout 4. So this month for Skyrim, they have a mod called Song of Green. So it looks like it features a wood elf follower named Ari, who is fully voiced. And uh, yeah, it looks pretty cool. Uh, There's a lot of interaction that you can have with her um she's a wood elf who comes from Valenwood, and uh yeah it looks like a really good companion mod um i guess this month they kind of have a uh, theme of wood elves and um you know Valenwood stuff um that they're highlighting there's a 
another mod that they've got going on that they're featuring called Milandriel, which kind of looks like you can basically go to Valenwood in the game Skyrim. And it also has housing that looks like it's straight out of uh, Valenwood. Like, uh, there's a house that you can get in ESO that's called Snugpod. Um, the housing looks a lot like that. I love Valenwood. It's one of my favorite areas to explore in ESO, specifically Grotwood. Um, love it. It also looks like it's got creatures that you would find in Valenwood, Valenwood, uh, what have you. So, uh, but it looks like this is a, a zone that you can actually travel to in Skyrim. So, yeah, props on that. Um, other mods that they've got featured for Skyrim are um, Spriggan companions that you can summon. Um, or just have follow you. Um, it's got some Fallout 4 mods that you can that they're highlighting here, but I won't really go into those because uh, this is a this is an Elder Scrolls podcast, not a Fallout podcast. Uh, maybe we'll talk about that on tapes from the waste. Uh, another bit of news that they have announced that you've probably heard by now is that they're going to be discontinuing the Bethesda launcher. So, um, may or may not affect some people. I know a lot of people don't really use it. They just use Steam. I do have the Bethesda launcher, and there are a few games that they were unlocking for people for free, like Arx Fatalis, the Quake games, and a few others. So, what this means for people who do have games only through the Bethesda launcher is that they are going to be migrating everything to Steam um, starting in April, early April. And this also includes uh, your balance that you may have. Like if you have put money into the Bethesda launcher that you haven't spent on games yet, that is all going to be migrated into the your Steam account. So make sure that you link your Bethesda account to Steam and that Everything should be migrated into the Steam library. So um, I think when the time comes, they're probably going to give you some more steps. There is an FAQ on the Bethesda website if you're curious and need more information. So I know a lot of people are saying that Atom Shop stuff is probably going to have a price up, um, price uh, increase a little bit because, you know, Steam gets a portion of the pie when it comes to sales. Um, I'm not sure. I, I, I've heard, I've seen things saying both. So, I don't know. Um, also, all in-game virtual stuff will be, like, currency will be moved to Steam. Like, if you've purchased Atoms or crowns for your accounts in Fallout 76 and ESO if you play through the Bethesda launcher. So, and just go to Bethesda.net if you need more information on all that. Um, I, like I said, I don't mainly use the Bethesda launcher when I'm playing things on PC, but there are some games that I do have on there that I don't have on Steam. So... Yeah, it, it, I, I mean, 
cool you know a lot of people are like wait there's even a there was a bethesda launcher in the first place yes yes there is well was it's all gonna be going away but yeah there was so um other bethesda news i guess there is a roadmap for fallout 76 like there's plans for fallout 76 that go out for five years so that's good news i'm sure we'll be talking about that more on tapes from the waste um other than that ghostwire tokyo comes out on the 25th i think i've already talked about that on this show so yeah um that's really about it as far as the news as far as my gameplay i've actually been playing quite a bit so as far as eso goes i have been continuing the Heaven Heart Pack story. I am now in Shadowfen and running around doing things in Shadowfen, which is a part of Blackbarsh. So, yeah, I'm interacting with a lot of Argonians right now, which is cool. Um, don't really go to Blackmarsh all that often, so it's kind of cool to see a new landscape outside of um, mountains, volcanoes, um, ash, <laughs> things like that. So, yeah. Um, now I'm walking around in a swamp, so um, yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, other than that, I've been playing, like I said, I've been playing a lot of things, a lot of different things. So I have been playing my second character, like I said, um, with Mass Effect. Um, not too long ago, I started a new playthrough for Mass Effect Legendary Edition. This time I went uh, Femshep. And just to kind of get a different view of things, like I did the Broshep playthrough, and it's great, but there are some things that I kind of regret that happened. Like I lost Grunt in the suicide mission, and um, let's see, I lost Dr. Chakwas in that same mission. I really, like, I'm going to do another Broshep playthrough and Romance Tally at some point um but right now i'm doing a femship playthrough and it's really cool because um you get another perspective of things um what's his name harkin in chores den was being really misogynistic and sexist and just basically acted like i was a piece of ass to him i mean he was drunk but still um but also i've wanted to do some things that i didn't do my last playthrough so i never scanned all the keepers in mass effect one uh that little side quest there i completely missed the asteroid dlc mainly what i was doing was i was focusing on my quest log and if i didn't get a quest then i didn't worry about it and now i was kind of exploring planets that i never explored before and there are little side missions that you wouldn't even know were there unless you did seek out these planets so i'm gonna take my time with this one and like i said eventually i'll do another brochette playthrough and romance tally is uh, instead of liara um so this time also with femship i'm going to make sure Caden survives because the last two times I played through Mass Effect 1 I saved Ashley instead of Caden. Again, something different. Uh, let's see, what else have I played? I started <laughs> I started playing the Guardians of the Galaxy game. 
So this game is now included in Game Pass. And of course, I'm such a, I, I'm a huge comic nerd. Marvel, DC, Vertigo, Dark Horse, doesn't matter. Love comics. And as long as the story is good. And Guardians of the Galaxy has been so much fun. Uh, so funny. Um, just listening to the characters interact with each other is hilarious. Uh, gameplay is pretty fun too. Uh, not too complicated. And yeah, it's it's just been a lot of fun. Definitely check it out. If you have Game Pass, this you know it's free with Game Pass. Um, I know it's also on the Nintendo Switch. And another thing is they do have a lot of accessibility options if you need a little bit more time to make decisions or things like that. Um, it's uh, it's pretty uh, aware of things, you know, disabilities. I, I didn't want to technically use that. I didn't want to use that word, but uh, yeah, if you have some challenges, it does take some steps to be accessible if you do have you know things like that going on so props to them for that as well um let's see what else have i been playing i have been playing a bit of sea of thieves so i've been wanting to play sea of thieves forever but i know it's a game that you really need other people to play with you well that's just the thing you don't so you can play this game solo but it is more fun if you do have other people with you. Um, but you can play it solo, you know. But, yeah. Um, so I've been trying to hook up with Durka and play uh, some Sea of Thieves with him. And we were supposed to play some this weekend. Um, now, his dad has some health problems going on, um, cancer-related and he was going to do a fundraiser this weekend and um, he still wants to raise some money so if you would like um yeah definitely support durka um good good friend of mine um but those plans kind of fell through <clears throat> so we never ended up playing so i'm like you know what i'm just gonna play on my own i've heard jessica star talk about how you definitely can play Sea of Thieves on your own. So I'm like, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to. So I did. I've done the tutorial on my own in the past, but that's not quite the same as going out and journeying the map yourself. So I did a mission. No problems whatsoever. Found the island. It was pretty close by dug up the treasure and went on my way and went and sold it cool my second uh, trip that i bought from the vendor you know of course it was free but still you gotta purchase the mission i couldn't find the damn island like i was looking for the name as opposed to the shape of the island and yeah i guess you're supposed to look for the shape of the island not specifically the name so i finally found it and got the got to the island and i got killed by some skeletons first time i died okay so i got back on the island found the chest loaded it back on my ship and was on my way back to the island to sell the chest 
I got killed by a kraken. <laughs> um, yeah, the kraken just completely devoured me and my ship. So <laughs> that was fun. Um, it, and it was fun. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so I spawned back in a like a far corner of the map. And I didn't know what happened to the chest. This chest wasn't on my ship. So I'm like, okay, let's go back to that island, get the chest again, and complete this mission. Well, what I didn't know is that your chest is where you died. And it stays afloat for, I think, about five minutes, and then you're screwed. The chest isn't back where you got it. So I went back to the island and killed some skeletons because when I first got killed by skeletons, I couldn't remember how to draw my weapon. But yeah, um, yeah, so uh, that's something to keep in mind going forward. So if you do die with loot on your ship, it stays afloat for a few minutes. So you got to go back to where you died and then get your chest and everything else that you lost. So, yeah, it's a lot of fun. Um, if you want to play some Sea of Thieves with me, let me know. I know, I, I'm pretty sure it's got uh, cross-platform cross uh, capabilities. So, yeah, it was a lot of fun, and I'm looking forward to playing it more. I know the We Just Love Games crew um, has been playing Sea of Thieves, I think, on the weekends, either Saturday or Sunday. I think it's normally on Saturday nights, uh, depending on when people are available. So I need to hook up with those guys, too, if... Uh, yeah, to play some more Sea of Thieves. But yeah, if you want to, um, hit me up, and I'd be more than happy to sail the seas with you. So, I think that's probably all I've been playing that's not Nintendo-related. I will talk about my Nintendo gameplay on Nintendo. Uh, speaking of which, definitely go check out the last episode that I put out last weekend on uh, how Nintendo got their start up until they were uh, started making video games. And my buddy KDB from Tapes from the Waste is going to be on the show, I think, going forward. Um, little clips he's going to send in. So, yeah, definitely check that out. Um, it's nice having him on. All right, guys, let's get into what we're here for. Ow! All right, guys, so today we are going to be talking about well, why don't I just let him introduce himself? Now you, you can call me Anne-Marie. But only if you're partial to being flayed alive and having an angry immortal skip rope with your entrails. If not, then call me Sheagorath, Daedric Prince of Madness. Charm. So yes, today we are going to be talking about Sheagorath, um, a lot of people's favorite Daedric Prince, for good reason. Um, he's quite fun, as you can tell. Um, <laughs> very funny. Uh, loves to have a good time. Uh, kind of like Sanguine, but with Sheagorath, there's a lot of other... Like he, he pays attention to mortals more, I think, than... Sanguine does. He likes to take an interest in what's going on and see what he can do to liven it up a little bit. Um, 
<laughs> yeah. He, 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 uh, there's a lot going on with him. And I will say, with Shiograth, there is kind of a, a duality theme with him. And we'll certainly get into that here. Whether it's the two sides of madness, the mania and dementia, or whether it's Sheogorath himself. So with Sheogorath, we can't really talk about him without talking about Jigalag. So the story goes that Sheogorath actually started as Jigalag. He was he's the Jigalag is the Daedric Prince of Order, and that's the other side of the coin to Sheogorath being the Daedric Prince of Madness. So the story goes that Jigalag is cursed by the other Daedric Princes to become Sheogorath. And at the end of every era, he reverts back to Jigalag. And it's uh, an event known as the Grey March. And spoilers, this is actually what is going on when you are doing the Oblivion DLC Shivering Isles. You travel to his realm and help him stop the Great March. And at the end of it, Jigalag and Shigorath are no longer the same person. Um, I'll get into that here in a bit, but yeah, Jigalag is essentially cursed by the other Daedric Princes to become what he hates the most, with Jinglag being the Daedric Prince of Order, everything has to have structure, and he hates what he turns into. So, yeah, we'll, we'll get into all that here in a little bit, but as always, I like to talk about how certain cultures view these Daedric Princes before we get into things that have actually happened in recorded history. So yeah, we'll, we'll start with how these cultures view Sheogorath and Jigalag both. Unfortunately, there's really not a lot about Jigalag um, because he spends most of his time as Sheogorath. But I mean, in all actuality, Jigalag is really Sheogorath's true form. So the only thing we really know is that the Daedric Princes cursed him. They'd grown fearful and jealous of him and cursed him to become the thing he hated most. But he's allowed to become his true form during the Grey March. So during the Grey March, he kind of... He goes back and forth between his two forms. But as the Grey March draws nearer he spends more and more time in his true form so yeah let's let's just go ahead and talk about the one artifact that we know of from Jigalag and that's his sword so it takes the form of a giant claymore and it's got perfect symmetry because of course order he he sounds a lot like Thanos don't you think 
Um, it's made of silver crystalline um, crystalline material that is similar to long swords wielded by his knights of order. Um, those are his servants that he has. And it's been compared to the staff of Sheagorath, although it's unknown if the sword holds as much symbolic power. So it has an enchantment that allows those that gaze upon its edge to see the past, present, and future flow as one. So, yeah, let's let's uh, go into how the different cultures view Sheagorath. So let's start with the Khajiit. So Sheagorath is one of the many prominent Daedra in uh, Khajiiti culture. To them, he is Shagorath, a crooked-tailed uh, cat who shares his madness with sugar tooths through skooma. And uh, it, the skooma, of course, is a hallucinogen uh, narcotic and is known to leave victims in constant altering state of delusional euphoria and lethargy. Indeed, he is known as the skooma cat. Nothing is madder than a cat on skooma. I have to agree with that. Um, <laughs> there's an Alfiq in ESO. I can't remember what his name is, but uh, yeah, he's doped up on Skuma when he's leading you around. It's pretty funny. Um, the Gajit believe that he was born from the union of Anur and Fatimai. From their union, all god cats came, including Shagorth. Pre uh, Redata state. Uh, texts state that he is an adverse and adversarial easy for me to say spirit that tests Khajiit on the path by making them doubt the truth of their own thoughts beliefs and actions he must be faced along with the path and become and be overcome before a cat can visit Hermora's library some Khajiiti um, some ancient Khajiiti tribes believe that Shagorath is dead and has been replaced by something of or of something other uh, it doesn't say what that other is. The skooma, te- the skooma cat takes the form of an alfiq, so I wonder if that was actually Shagorath. Um, interesting. And uh, he acts more like a common house cat than a Khajiit. For instance, he is easily distracted by yarn. One of the earliest documented encounters with Shagorath was once told in, in the now-lost uh, Kunzari and the skooma cat. Um, yeah, that makes me think that that little Alfiq in ESO is actually him. Interesting. So, um, let's now go to the uh, Dunmer and the Kymer. Uh, it has them both linked here. So, Sheagorath is believed to have accompanied the Kymer on their exodus to Marwind. However, when the Tribunal Temple took power in Marwind, Sheagorath, as well as Mirren Stagon, Malakath and Molakbal became known as the Four Corners of the House of Troubles to the Denver. It was written that they, that when he rebelled against the tribunal, the worship of Sheagorath became punishable by death. Sheagorath rebelled by tricking the moon Bardor and inspiring it to hurl itself at the city of Ebek. So he's the reason why that happened, um, which it eventually does, as we all know. That led to the destruction of Vardenfell. So, yeah, he's the uh, reason why that asteroid or whatever you want, a big chunk of rock eventually destroyed the city of Avec. 
So he justified his actions by claiming that Vivek was built in mockery of the heavens, and Vivek is said to have then frozen the astrid big chunk of rock in the sky to protect his people from madness, and an agreement that Dunmer must occasionally renew uh, by performing the pilgrimages of the Four Corners. Shiagora's shrines were abandoned, but many have remained standing into modern times. Legends say that the Daedra lords, such as Sheagorath, built the great shrines themselves because mortals could not build anything grand enough to suit them. <laughs> that, uh, that sounds like something they would say. After the Nerevarine destroyed the heart of Lorcan and, and Vivek disappeared, Baudur eventually resumed its descent, as I mentioned. So yeah, that all happened um, after the events of Oblivion, I believe, because as far as I know... It hadn't impacted yet, but when we get to Skyrim, they talk about how a lot of them fled to Skyrim because that was the closest area to Vardenfell and mainland Morrowind. So, yeah, I think they talk about that when you get to Azura's Shrine. They may talk about it in... Actually, I think that's why a lot of them are in the Grey Quarter in Windhelm. But they call all that when all that happened the red year so vivek is destroyed by bardor and red mountain erupts so thank you shagorath for that so the dunmer do believe that shagorath tests them for psychological weaknesses in many legends he is called upon by one dunmer faction against another though whether he betrays or helps those he who call on him is uh, unpredictable. They often associate him with the fear of other races have of them, especially those who might prove useful allies. So one of the events that his followers take place in is the Jester's Festival, which is an annual holiday that falls on the 28th of Rain's Hand. So this actually happens in ESO. It's one of those things where you can just go chuck things at, like, I think snowballs or mud at people. Or you can set off fireworks. It's it's pretty fun. Um, if you haven't taken part in that in ESO, definitely go do that. So the origins of the Jester's Festival are speculated, with some believing that it originated with Sheagorath once turning the whole world mad. Daedra cultists visit the Shrine of Sheagorath during the Festival of the Mad, and this tradition may be local to Valenwood. I don't think it is. Uh, the Blessings of Sheagorath is a prayer among Sheagorath's worshippers, and it asserts that without Sheagorath, all thought would be linear and all feeling would be fleeting. So basically what this is saying is that we would all think and act the same without Sheagorath, which, hey, you know, there's something to be said about that. They praise him because it is Sheagorath who tricks us when we are foolish, punishes us when we are wrong, tortures us when we are unmindful, and loves us in our imperfection. Within the Shivering Isles themselves, society functions a lot like Tamriel, with obvious glaring exceptions, of course. The mentally ill, bifurcated populace held it held a range of beliefs you know, about Sheagorath. Some zealots revered him as a living god, while others labeled heretics thought he was nothing more than a mortal imposter. 
Some urged arm, uh, some urged armed uprising, and many committed various deranged acts in attempts to gain his favor. Sheagrath devised a unique spell called Manipulate Weather, and has been known to teach this spell to his most favored followers. The spell allows the manipulation of the climate with an entire region. Sheagrath himself determines the weather effects the spell produces, and spells are spell effects are random. For example, those trying to summon a flash flood may instead summon a torrential rainstorm. So, yeah, there, there's a lot to Sheagrath here. There's a lot more. Um, let's talk about what he has done in recorded history. So there's a lot here. Like I said, he seems to be one that likes to take an active approach in in uh, the world of Tamriel. So in the early first era, Shalador established the island of Ivea, which, yeah, in the Mages Guild questline, you deal with Sheagorath a lot and Shalador. And yeah, those are probably the two main characters in the Mages Guild storyline. So you actually get to go to Ivea in ESO. But Shalador established it as a retreat and sanctuary for all mages. However, Shalador traded Ivea to Shagorath for the Folium Discognitum, I think is how you pronounce that, and that is a tome of knowledge which he had been obsessed with obtaining. So Shalador is kind of like uh, Hermaeus Mora in a way where he values knowledge. That's one of the most important things to him. So. The island was duly spirited away to the Shivering Isles, where it would remain for thousands of years. And Shalador went on to regret trading the island away, feeling that it had been tricked, that he had been tricked by the Mad God. Between the third and fifth of Rain's Hand in 2920 of the First Era, which is a year that you should all be familiar with, Shagorath, along with seven other powerful Daedric princes, entered into a contract known as the Cold Harbor Contract or Compact with the tribunal god Sothisil. I think we all know about that. We've talked about that previously on the show quite a bit. So let's move on to the Second Era. In Second Era 582, the Mages Guild was expelled from Cyrodiil and became fractured due to the Alliance War despite claiming neutrality in the war. <clears throat> Although he had nothing to do with the guild in life, Shalador returned to the affairs of mortals in order to win back Ivea from Sheagorath so it could serve its original purpose and act as a sanctuary to the guild. So yeah, I'm not going to really get into spoilers for that, but that is basically what the main story of the Mages Guild quest is. As you are helping Sh- uh, Shalador, I almost said Shagrath, um, win back the island of Ivea from Shagorath. So it's a pretty good storyline. Um, I'd recommend doing it, but uh, keep in mind if you are going to be doing the Mages Guild storyline, the way you level up in um, or rank up in the guild is by finding lore books. So make sure you look you collect every lore book you find and if you need help finding lore books there is a an app that i just recently became aware of thanks to 
Lee Benjamin from the ASA podcasting community. Um, it is called, give me a second here, ESO Helper. And yeah, it has maps with all the lore book locations and all that good stuff. A lot of good information there if you need help in ESO. So um, definitely check that out. So also it says here that um, Sheagrath did don, uh, don the guise of the Skumacat and ravaged the two moons at Tenmar Helper or Tenmar Temple in Anequina. So that was Sheagrath that I mentioned earlier. That was the uh, <laughs> uh, the Alfik Khajiit that was doped up on Skuma. So, to receive a promotion or a message from the Twin Moons, instead of using moon sugar in her ceremony, the Temple Moon Bishop had used the dangerous narcotic skooma and Sheograth came to, came to her. He plotted to convince the priests to bo- uh, blind themselves with the fork of replation in order to be hidden from the dragons that plagued elsewhere. And Cheograth was stopped by the Vestige, who located and confiscated the fork and rescued the Moon Bishop from his clutches. Uh, that fork is also in the Shivering Isles DLC for Oblivion. So, uh, yeah, it's it's an interesting fork. I want to say there was an NPC that was trying to find it. So, yeah, in Third Era 433, Cheograth returned the fork to the Shivering Isles and rumors circulated among the mortal population of the Isles about its return. So Big Head, yeah, Big Head is a is an uh, Argonian that is looking for the fork, so you got to go find it. it. He's saying that it was singing to him. So, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's funny how much trouble a fork can be sometimes. So it also says here that sometime before the Second Era 582, of course, uh, which is ESO still, the witch uh, Nanera Ware, W-A-E-R-R, created the sword Umbra at the request of Clavicus Vile, who wanted the sword as a tool of mischief, which would send him souls uh, from the mortal realm. Nanera created the sword, but was un- it was unstable, so requiring Vile to give the witch a, p- a piece of his power to be imbued in the sword to stabilize it. However, Nanera, sometimes accredited with being Sheagorath in disguise, supposedly tricked him as the piece of Vile's power imbued the sword, and it became sentient, calling itself Umbra. Nanera was executed for her evil creation, but the sword remained behind becoming the identity of those unfortunate to wield it we've talked about umbra in the past on the show it's uh, pretty present in a lot of the games so let's move on to the third era so in the events leading up to the warp in the west an unknown agent of the blades which is your character in let's say daggerfall yes daggerfall so Unknown agent of the blades summoned Sheagorath and dispatched a battle mage who had displeased the prince. In return, the agent was given the Wabachak from the from a worshipper of Sheagorath. So yeah, that um, Daggerfall seems to be where a lot of Daedric princes are first seen, and you get to uh, meet them in person more often than not in that game. So yeah, Daggerfall is definitely worth playing. It's pretty hard, but it's definitely worth playing. So it also says here that Sheogorath is a known visitor of the blind god's realm of Mantellan Crux within the theories. 
Chilkarath, was, who was visiting the blind god at the time, aided the agent of the blades, retrieving Mantella, which uh, Mantella is a massive green gem, a crux of transcendence that contained the heart or life force of an entity known to Tamriel as the Under King. Twice the Mantella was used to power the gigantic rascal Luminumidium, which you should be heard of, or, or you should be familiar with. So, um, the Under King, yeah, he's a uh, pretty bad dude. So that is actually, I want to say that's the main antagonist in Daggerfall. So, um, like I said, Daggerfall is definitely worth playing. So in, yeah, Shagorath definitely had to do with the warp in the West, or was involved with that. So in Third Era 427, which of course is um, Morrowind, Shagorath tasked the Nerevarine with retrieving the fork of Horoplation from Big Head. Um, well, okay, so Big Head was also in Morrowind? I don't remember that uh, because he's definitely in Shivering Isles. So, um, Big Head is a mad Argonian hermit and worshipper of Sheogorath who lived in a small shack on the island in Sheogard re region of Marwind. Sheogorath instructed the Nerevarine with an odd task, which is to kill a bull netch with a fork. <laughs> That's fun. Um, yeah, that would not be an easy thing to do. Bighead willingly gave the fork to the Nerevarine, who then killed the Bullnetch and returned the fork to Sheogorath, and he was rewarded the Spear of Bitter Mercy, which is another artifact that we will talk about here. How Sheogorath came into the possession of the spear is unknown. So now we move on to the events of Oblivion, so Shagorath was aided by the champion of Cyrodiil in tormenting the Khajiiti settlement of Border Watch in Cyrodiil. And I mentioned in the Sanguine episode that that was one of my favorite data requests in Oblivion. One of my favorite quests to begin with, but the other one is definitely this one. So, <laughs> you, you visit Shagorath's shrine and he talks about border watch and they have a kind of a an apocalypse prophecy that they regularly discuss and it's called the kashara prophecy and of course yeah it's it's basically the end of the world definitely an apocalypse prophecy so there are three different things that you have to do he, he basically wants you to make this prophecy quote-unquote happen so there's three different things that you have to do or that have to take place that are a part of the prophecy. So the first is that there is a plague of rats. So what you got to do is you got to go steal this really expensive cheese from this shop in Border Watch. And you take the cheese and you cook it in a pot. And that you know, all the rats smell the cheese and they go nuts, so they infest the village. And then the next part is that all their livestock die. So because of the plague of rats, there's a Khajiit going around dropping rat poison. So you take the rat poison and you put it in the trough, and all of the livestock go and partake and they pass away. 
So that brings us to the third part of the quest. And this is one that Sheograth does himself. So he instructs you to go to the center of the village to catch the show. And he makes it rain flaming dogs. So yes, fiery dogs are falling from the sky. And it's just, it, it's, it's gloriously insane. <laughs> it, it, it's something that you would never expect to happen and who yeah nobody would so of course all of the Khajiit in the village are going around talking about how the end of the world is upon us <laughs> so it's unknown whether this took place before or after the champion well yeah spoilers we'll get to that in a second so yeah um this brings us to the events of the Grey March in Shivering Isles. So, Shirogorath is one of a few, or one of very few Daedric princes that has an entire DLC about him. So, or all about him. So, yeah, the the Grey March, like I said, is where Jigalag is basically able to become himself again um Shagrath just he kind of fades away and he becomes Jigalag um and it, it only happens at the end of every era so this is the end of the third era so Shagrath basically wants to prevent this from taking place um well not so much take it he wants to stop it from happening again so he summons this portal to the Shivering Isles in the, in the middle of this huge lake right outside of Leowin. And you get there and there's some other people who have tried, who've gone and tried to do what he wants and they lose their minds. And he basically says they're useless. So he sees you and he's like, hey, why don't you come in here and check this out? And so you, you enter the portal and you talk to Haskell and he was like, well, welcome to the Shivering Isles. And the walls around you become this big flock of butterflies. And I, I love the look of the Shivering Isles. It's so colorful, beautiful. Um, maybe not so much the mania, not, not the mania, but the dementia area. that's really kind of dreary and depressing. So, um, and like I said, a lot of what Sheograth's is about is duality so after you enter the shivering isles you go to this the gates of you know you, you come across this gate that has two doors one to mania and one to dementia and the way you get there is by killing this big flesh atronach that's called the gatekeeper and you have to do it in a very specific way you got to get bone arrows um, there's a whole quest that's involved with that. But, um, yeah, he has the keys in his gut. You have to cut him open and get the keys. And I usually go with Mania, like I said, because it's a lot more bright and colorful. Um, like I said, the, you know, I guess they're, they're saying there's two sides to madness. There's a really dark and dreary side and then a really bright and colorful part. There's Mania and Dementia. Um... So yeah, he has you go on a lot of these tasks, and it's kind of a way to rebuild the Shivering Isles. Um, there is a, a, a security 
thing that he wants you to get going again. Um, you have to rebuild the gatekeeper. And you have to kind of learn about the two sides of madness. Uh, you have to deal with the Duke and Duchess of Mania and Dementia, respectively. And it's all to prepare you to take over. So Shigarath himself turns back into Jiglak, and through the events of Shivering Isles, you become the new Shigarath. So it's um, as time goes on in the events of the Shivering Isles DLC, Shigarath kind of becomes like what he's saying makes more and more sense. Um, it doesn't sound as crazy as it did at the beginning. And that's all a sign of him reverting back to Jigalag. Uh, but yeah, you become the new Shigarath. And he kind of anoints you as such um, after you fight him as Jigalag. You don't kill him, but yeah, he basically says that he is now free. And we never have to see another Grey March again. So that brings us to the fourth era. So, and it, it should be noted that since you become uh, the new Shigrath, the Shigrath in Skyrim, uh, for all intents and purposes, is your player character in um, Skyrim or from Oblivion. So, and he kind of makes reference to this. You know, I was there for that whole sordid affair. Marvelous time! Butterflies, blood, a fox, a severed head! <laughs> so, the butterfly that he is referring to there is, the, of course, when the walls at the gate, like when you first enter the Shivering Isles, become this big mass of butterflies. I'm not sure what the blood is that he's referring to. The fox is the gray fox from the Thieves Guild quest line. The severed head that he's referring to has to do with the Dark Brotherhood storyline. So when you find the traitor who's going around killing Dark Brotherhood uh, members, you find his lair and there is a severed head that I think it said is his mother's head, which in itself is a reference to uh, Jason Voorhees' mom's severed head from the Friday the 13th movies. So, yeah, they don't... He doesn't really come out and say that he was your player character from Oblivion, but, yeah, that's just all the more uh, proof that he is your player character. And he also looks different from Shagrath in Oblivion. So, yeah, I, I mean... For all intents and purposes, he is your player character from Oblivion. But before we get to the events of Skyrim, there are some things that he has allegedly done in the fourth era before we get to the events of Skyrim. So there's not really a date here, but it says that there are legends that tell of a Dunmer by the name of Talon Rend, who, sometime, who was around sometime in the fourth era, and he beat the Mad God at his own game. How rude! So Talum struck a deal with Shea Gorath, 
and it was to make him forget his achievement in, or I'm sorry, his involvement in the death of his son, Novos. Shagrath agreed and then tampered with his memory, so he thought he was trying to fight a cure, sorry, he thought he was fighting to cure his son of madness instead. The prince requested three souls to be driven mad in order to restore Navos to sanity. And when he had done as he was asked, Talon returned home only to realize that Novos had been dead the entire time. Shagoth denied Talon another audience when he returned to the Shivering Isles, and he was left wandering around the realm aimlessly, slowly driving himself mad with unanswered questions. Eventually, he regained some semblance of composure and journeyed to Knife Point Hollow, where he was informed by Dias, the librarian of Jiglag, that he might gain an audience with Shagrath if he retrieved an artifact of Jiglag. Shagrath finally granted Tom an audience when he retrieved the Sword of Jiglag using the memory wand on him to reveal Talm's original intent and memories. Shagrath then mocked Talm and in his anger Talm turned the memory god I'm sorry, the memory wand against the god Shagrath and forced him to recall his memories of his previous incarnation, which was of course Jiglag, the Daedric Prince of Order. And these memories pained Shagrath, who pleaded Talm with Talm to stop. So he fulfilled Talm's wishes and let him and his companions free from his grasp. <laughs> yeah, that's a uh, man. That's uh, that's pretty harsh there. Around the time of Fourth Era 180, Shagrath disguised himself as a Breton by the name of Theodore Gorlash, which is an anagram of Shagrath, Lord Shagrath, and he encouraged the warrior to enter a portal outside of the town of Rivercrest. This portal led to the abyss and <laughs> a mysterious realm of, which is a mysterious realm of oblivion that has never-ending rooms and corridors, both real and unreal at the same time, which together form an endless dungeon. So, I guess this is actually from the mobile game Blades. I didn't know that there was actually a date set for this game, but I guess it's uh, 4th Era 180, and your character in Elder Scrolls Blades is actually called Warrior. So that's interesting. That's uh, something I didn't know. So I've played Elder Scrolls Blades, of course, but I didn't know that there was actually a set time for it. So, and uh, yeah, so this, that was all that happened with that. So let's go to the events of Skyrim. So, of course, you find the hip bone, and then you're approached by Mania Derivan who is a servant of Shagrath, and it seems like Shagrath is on vacation. So uh, it turns out that that hip was the hip of Pelagius Septim III, and Pelagius was tasked with convincing Shagrath to... So uh, actually you are tasked with convincing Shagrath to return to the Shivering Isles. But before you, that happens, you have to escape Pelagius's mind, which is where you're transported to. 
uh, how you're transported to the mind of somebody who's dead, I have no idea. But hey, it's Shea Gorath. So you got to use the Wabajack to um, remedy different aspects of Pelagius's insanity, which is night terrors, um, his inner fears, all, all, all sorts of things. And then Shea Gorath is like, you know what? I'm going to go back to Savory Niles. So, yeah, that is his quest in Skyrim. And like I said, he looks completely different from Shagrath in Oblivion. So, he is your player character. A lot of uh, some of the quotes that I've been using have been from this. So, why don't we go ahead and talk about the artifacts? And there are several. We've already talked about the fork. Um, he refers. He affectionately refers to it as Forky. So, um, yeah, which I guess the Fork of Horoplation does appear in Elder Scrolls Blades also. So here are a few others. There is the Folicrum Discognitum, which I think we did uh, talk about this earlier. So it's a tome of knowledge filled with insights compiled from the ramblings of madmen. Pages bear near incomprehensible scrawls that move to avoid your gaze when read. That would drive anybody mad. Um, the power obtained from reading these insights is equivalent to absorbing at least six sky shards. So, I guess it uh, is something that appears in ESO. So, yeah, it, it appears in ESO. Um, you, I guess, spark of the Mage's Guild quest line, so that is the Fulcrum di Discognitum. So next up is Gambolputty. Um, that's an interesting word there. A lot of these words are really. So it is also known as the Ambiguous Glove. It's an extravagant right-hand glove belonging to Shea Gorath, one of the princess seen as the bad daedra so what it does is it fortifies abilities such as agility intelligence personality and luck at the cost of draining others like endurance speed strength willpower what have you its main role is ceremonial and is to be used as a sacrificial offering to shagora's shrine in all daedra in order to renew a pact with Shagrath to limit his influence on the Dunmary people. Gambleputty is not limited to the confines of Aldedrath and is known to be a reoccurring artifact, so the picture that they show of this gauntlet, it looks like it's from ESO. Uh, check this here. Of course, it's also in Morrowind, but it looks like it, the fact that it says it's a recurring artifact means it's been in other games also. So next up is the memory wand, and we talked about this earlier. Uh, Sheikorath himself fell victim to this, so yeah, the, <laughs> we've already talked about that one. Here's one called Neb Crescent, a Crescent. And it is a cursed sword, which causes the wielder to be filled with reckless abandon, compelling them to kill everyone in a fit of rage when they hold it. It's mentioned in the 16 Accords of Madness, and it's described as being a seductive wide. 
arc, uh, arc of honed steel that is intricately decorated, such be, as being adorned with jewels, having a beautifully decorated handle. I really wish I could talk, I'm sorry. And even having a practically uh, having a practicality in its elaborate pommel, which is designed to balance its considerably hefty weight, and it is most known for being used against Malakath to trick him into murdering his own son. So I don't know if this is something that's actually in. It. Yeah, I don't think this is something that's in any of the games. It's just something that's talked about. So um, then we've got Sheikorath's regalia. It's a de distinctive dapper clothing of Sheikorath, which is used to used so prevalently along with a cane. So yeah, when you see Sheikorath, usually wears the same suit and has a cane with it. Um, it's his the guy's has been dubbed the gentleman with a cane. Fitting of his alias, his attire varies depending on the occasion, and he may even opt to use a multi-hued turban. He is well-dressed even in his alfique form of the skumacad. Should he wish to cross-gender boundaries, he may even opt to use a dress should he wish to present himself as a female. So there's actually a picture here. Um, of Sheagrath. It looks like it's from Oblivion, and it's somebody that's in a dress that has similar colors. So I'm not sure exactly who this is here, but it definitely looks like Oblivion. So, yeah. Um, I didn't know that he sometimes appeared as a female, so I guess uh, that's interesting. So, Basically, if you sure were to equip this yourself, it increases the wearer's luck, personality, and speechcraft. That makes a lot of sense. So, um, next up is a staff, not the one you're thinking of, but it's the staff of Sheagorath, and it's a powerful Daedric artifact that is the symbol of the Daedric Prince of Madness. It contains the power of the Shivering Isles and is needed to assume the title of the Mad God. So you actually, your player character in Oblivion um, gets this at the end of the events of the Shivering Isles questline. So yeah, you have to have it to sit on his throne. And the staff is the namesake, of course, and it's a traditional in appearance. It kind of looks like a, a staff, but it's got what looks like an eyeball at the end of it. So, yeah, attached at the top of it. So, during each Grey March, the staff's power waned and became a useless twig. So, that's when he turns into Chickalag. Uh, next up is the another staff, and it's the Staff of Everscamp. We talked about this in another quest. So, yeah, the it basically it summons a bunch of scamps that if you kill them, they come back, and that would drive anybody mad. Uh, you got to take it back to Dark Fathom Cave if you want to get rid of it. Uh, there's a whole side quest in Oblivion that has to do with the Staff of Everscamp. So next up is the one that we've all been waiting for. The Web Attack! Huh? Huh? Didn't see that coming, did you? Yes, it is the Wabajack. That really is Shea Korath's signature Daedric artifact, so 
The Wabajack basically, you use it on something and it has a random effect. So it becomes something completely different for a short period of time. Um, it's actually saved my ass quite a few times. So, it yeah, it, it has a completely random effect. So if you use it on something, it may turn into something more dangerous or it may turn into something completely harmless. So... I remember using it in Oblivion when you are trying to get that house in Anvil. Um, I think it's called, the quest is called Where the Spirits of Have Leased, where this guy's family member, his ancestor, turned himself into a lich. And you have to face said lich at the end of it. And he kept killing me, so I used the Wabajack on him and it turned him into a deer, and I killed him with a blast of electricity. Um, there have been times I've used it in Skyrim, and I've turned things into sweet rolls or a pile of coins. Um, it, it, it's a fun little tool. So, but like I said, it, it does have its uh, uses, but it can also be dangerous. So, yeah, this uh, it can help you, but it can also be detrimental. So. The staff can produce other effects, such as damaging, healing, turning to stone, instantly killing a target. Um, the staff's victims that are turned into animals can be cooked after the fact because the meat is known as waba jerky. That's something I didn't know. The meat has uh, created dupe, or has created debates on whether or not eating it would be considered cannibalism. Um, I can see that. So if you turn somebody, like a, a man or elf or something, into an animal and turn it into an uh, animal, would that still be considered eating human meat or uh, elf meat? I don't know. Um, <laughs> it's a, I, guess, I guess it's a, created some controversy. So um, Jagrath finds only very few people... Uh, worthy of Wabajack's absurdly sweet power, quote-unquote. Um, now, he, he does love the staff, and he's usually shown holding it. So, um, I know if you give it to Martin Septim when you need to sacrifice a Daedric artifact, he's uh, glad to be rid of it. He said that the world is better off without that um, particular item in existence. So... Yeah, we've talked about the Shivering Isles quite a bit, so I guess we can talk about it a little bit more. So, it is also called the Madhouse, or the Asylums. It's the Daedric Realm of Sheagorath, and it consists of a mainland mass surrounded by a group of smaller islands in the area which is divided into... The, it's divided into half. There's Mania and Dementia, and each have their own respective capital cities. Um, there's um, the capital. Well, the main capital city is called New Sheoth, but there are the main cities in Bliss or in um, Mania and Dementia are Bliss and Crucible. So there's a lot of item or a lot of uh, enemies in there that you wouldn't find anywhere else. Um, there are elytra, which look like giant mantises. There are uh, balawogs. There's other, that look like f kind of a, a frog-like creature. Um, there's also hungers that are in uh, the Shivering Isles. 
And this is where you also find amber and mad ore, um, which there are um, blacksmiths that used amber and mad ore to create unique sets of armor, which you can then enchant. Um, I know the one in uh, the domain or the dementia city is called Cutter. Um, I usually go to her because she uses the mad ore to. Um, make your weapons and armor um, and those are more heavy and damage wielding than the lightweight amber weapons and armor so um, there is one quest I will say in the Shivering Isles that made me really frustrated um, it's uh, it has to do with addiction it's when you're dealing with the Duke of Mania and there is a substance called Feldew. And <laughs> so basically you have to consume Feldew and you're instantly addicted to it. He sends you after the, uh, it's a chalice. And you, the only way you can, it, it's in a, a, an elytra hive. And specific elytra secrete Feldew. And you have to have you have to consume Feldu to even get into the hive, and it's an addiction like any other. Uh, the longer you go without consuming Feldu, the more negative effects you have. And oh god, um, had uh, like the first time I tried this quest, I didn't know about the duplication glitch in Oblivion, and. Yeah, you will become over encumbered, you become weak, and I stopped playing for a while. And then I looked up on YouTube to see how close I was to the end of it, and I was like one or two rooms over from where the chalice was. But it's funny, I was looking at the comments for that video, and they were all like, Man, fuck this quest. I hate this quest. This made me quit playing. Um, if you do know the duplication glitch in Oblivion, then it's not a problem. You can just keep duplicating the Feldew. But yeah, it's it's frustrating. Um, you're just constantly trying to find the glowing green Elytra to kill them for the Feldew. Um, once you gain possession of the Chalice, the addiction is cured. But um, yeah, there's a, a lot going on in the Shivering Isles. Every one of its inhabitants is mad in their own unique way. Um, there's a guy who is afraid of all of the walls in the city collapsing and killing him. So you have to find a place out in the wilderness where he feels safe. Um, there's Big Head. Uh, Big Head must have died and got um, taken to... Um, the Shivering Isles after he passed because he is an Oblivion. I remember him more from Oblivion than Marwind. Um, there is a guy who, um, this is, uh, this could be triggering, but he wants to die. Um, yeah, that trigger warning there. Um, but he doesn't want to commit suicide uh, because Shagorath has a specific place for people who uh, do that and he doesn't want to go there so he wants you to kill him himself or yourself but he doesn't want to know it's coming so you assist him and he gives you a key to this 
chest that has uh, a ring. I think it's a ring. It's either a ring or a, um, a necklace, but I think it's a ring. I think it's called the Ring of Happiness, and it uh, boosts your encumbrance level. I think it uh, makes you breathe underwater. Um, yeah, there, there's a lot going on. If you haven't played Oblivion and Shivering Isles, uh, Shivering definitely definitely uh do that because it, it's worth it shivering isles is amazing i don't know what else to say about it um there are some other things here uh, there's a, a bunch of pictures of shea gorath over the years there's one from uh daggerfall where he's wearing a, a pair of trousers with a green vest and a, a button-down shirt there's a lot where he's wearing a suit um there's a picture of him from Elder Scrolls Legends. There is a picture of him from Elder Scrolls Blades. There's a picture of him in his uh, Skuma Cat um, disguise from Elder Scrolls Legends. You see him in person in Elder Scrolls Blades. Um, uh, yeah, that's uh, Theodore Gorlash. Um, in the Shivering Isles, he has some other servants. Uh, he has Golden Saints and Dark Seducers. So, um, yeah, the, the, there's the whole, like, they both serve Shea Gorath in their own way. Like I said, a lot of what's going on with Shea Gorath has to do with duality and the Golden Saints and Dark Seducers, or uh, Maskin, and I can't remember what the um, name for the Golden Saints are. Um, you're probably screaming at me right now. It's all good. Um, I'm sure I'll think of it as soon as I stop recording. But, uh, yeah, that has to do with his duality also. And he's a very, very interesting character. Um, especially given the whole thing with Jigalak. Um, other notes, he is normally voiced by Wes Johnson, who is amazing. Um, he wasn't voiced by Wes Johnson in ESO, though. I come to find that out later, and going back and playing through the Mages Guild recently, I could tell that it wasn't Wes. But the clips that I've used in today's episode are Wes Johnson. And he is very active on social media, so if you um, hit him up on social media, more than likely he's going to respond. And he also played Ebenezer Scrooge in the recent Chad of Fallout 76 stories take on the um, Christmas Carol uh, performance. And he was amazing in that. Even, like, I watched it on Twitch and watching him perform, because he was acting out the character, and it was amazing. Like, when he, like he was really crying when Scrooge is crying toward the end. And, um, yeah, he lends his voice to Shea Gorath, among others, such as um, all the male um, guards in Oblivion. And he also voices Hermaeus Mora. Um, yeah, he's, he's fantastic. So hats off to Wes Johnson for giving us such a fantastic character. So that is really it as far as Shea Gorath goes. I'd like to thank The Hive, as always, for sponsoring this podcast. If you'd like to get a hold of me, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at iangold08. That is my personal page. And you can follow the show at TamrailP. I, recent, I uh, recently posted 
a picture of uh, myself getting devoured by the Kraken in Sea of Thieves. I thought I'd post something non-Elder Scrolls related for a change. Um, also check out my other shows. I got Nintendo. Um, I mentioned earlier that I recently did an episode on the history of Nintendo, how they got their start and all that good stuff. Uh, my next episode for that is going to be about the Virtual Boy. And also Tapes from the Waste. Uh, we just did an episode on how the Brotherhood of Steel got their start. So, And that is with my buddy KDB, who recently uh, made an appearance on Nintendo. So... Also, like I said, definitely uh, show some support for Durka, who was my co-host for Nintendo for ages, um, along with his dad, who um, going through some tough times. So, um, yeah, um, that really is it as far as this episode goes. Next up, we will be talking about Vermina. So, yeah, we're going to be talking about Vermina, and I don't really know a whole lot about Vermina. So, aside from um, what we know from Skyrim. So, yeah, and that'll wrap us up with Daedric Princess. So, um, let me know what you want me to cover after that. So, uh, yeah, look me up Instagram, Twitter, TamRLP. And uh, let me know what you would like me to cover after we are done with Dater Chris's. So anyway, I'm going to get out of here. So as always, stay safe, adventurers.